0: The first Bible reading today is from Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1, and that's on page 1349 of the Church Bibles. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you. And cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I was command as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord and I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. The second reading is from Colossians 3, starting in verse 1 and it's on page 1831 of the Church Bibles. do it all in the name of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, let me tell you
1: about Frédéric Théolet. Uh, he's from France. He's my age, 42. I know I don't look 42. He looks normal. Uh, and he goes about his very normal activities, but he is anything but normal. Listen to his words. I have enjoyed an effective resurrection, he says, a new birth. Physically, I have no limit. I am as strong and powerful as before, even more so than before. You see, Friedrich received an artificial heart eight years ago. His blood is being circulated through his body with a small machine. It's just remarkable, isn't it, what science can do nowadays? And it powers his very life. But you wouldn't have been able to tell based upon how he looks on the outside. As amazing as that is, followers of Jesus, well, we experience something even more significant, more amazing. God has done amazing things for us through Jesus. We heard about that last week. And he has done incredible things in us by Christ. We might look physically the same with the rest of the world, but we are anything but the same in reality. It's kind of my job this morning to convince you of that. Last week we were reminded about the resurrection of Jesus and its significance. Remember, his resurrection tells us that Jesus is Lord, but he is also the one who gives us resurrection life. This week we'll consider what it looks like to have resurrection life. And these verses in Colossians, they are earth-shattering for us as followers of Jesus. If we understand this right, our thinking and our actions are going to change forever. And for those of you who have grasped this already, well, you know what I'm talking about. Our passage starts with highlighting our unity with Christ, and then it explains how it will affect what we stop doing, verses 5 to 12, and what we are to to start doing. The big idea I want us to understand is that being raised with Christ shapes what we do. The events of Easter tells us that through Jesus' death and resurrection, and we've also been reminded by the Lord's Supper, Uh, He makes it possible for us to be forgiven for, well, ignoring Him, for rejecting Him. And if we trust in Jesus, then we are included in His kingdom and given everlasting life. But what also happens is that we are connected to Jesus. That is, we are incorporated into Jesus. And our passage begins with showing us just how tightly connected we are to Christ And his experiences. In verse 1, if you have a look with me, it says, We have been raised with Christ. In verse 3, we died, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. So the reality is that what Christ has experienced, we have too as believers in Jesus, all because believers are intimately united to Christ. Now, understandably, this might sound a little strange. I mean, unless I miss something, I'm fairly sure I haven't stopped breathing at any point in my life, nor do I have any marks on my chest that shows that I've been shocked back to life. So let me see whether I can explain what this means. Firstly, let me explain what it means to have died. A few verses before our passage, it says that we have died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. And these principles of this world are, well, they're pointless practices that people invent. And people think that by doing these practices, then what they can do is to reach God, which actually isn't what God wanted. Uh, that is, these, these practices. To have died is an extreme way of describing how we have treated these practices. We are to be corpses to them. You know what dead people do with rules of men? Well, nothing. This is something that has already happened ever since God converted us. And we will find out that there are other earthly things that we have died to, things that are against God. I've got a dog back home, uh, down in the plains. His name is Snoopy. And uh, Snoopy just loves to lick feet and to steal socks. Uh, So much so that uh, if you come and visit my home, uh, I will warn you about this. This is Snoopy. Snoopy loves to lick your, your toes. So make sure that uh, you leave your toes to the side and maybe keep your socks in your shoes, otherwise, it might go for a run around the backyard. Now, we've got a chicken at home as well. His name is Butter Chicken. It, it turned up in a pot of curry with spices and naan. Uh, now, I've never had to warn people about our chicken, uh, uh, particularly to hide their socks from my picking chicken because. That chicken isn't pecking anymore. Dead chickens, there's a point to this. Dead chickens have died to stealing socks. Get it? Christians have died, and so we stop all things which go against God. So when God says that we have died, it means that we have completely stopped being involved with anything that displeases God. Secondly, let me explain what it means to have been raised. Being united to Christ also means that we share in his resurrection. And because our life is now hidden with Christ, we are raised just as he is raised. So because we are united to Christ, the life that Jesus has is ours as well. Praise God. Like those dry bones in the valley of Ezekiel, the spirit and life... Has been breathed into us. We share in the eternal life of Jesus. Now, did you notice that this is present reality? Did you notice that? Yes, we are waiting for Jesus' return, verse 4, to experience our bodily resurrection, but at the same time, we are already raised from the dead. And so we should feel. Privileged to be connected with Christ as he is seated at the right hand of God, verse 1. That is, seated at the most honored position. We should feel greatly blessed to be incorporated in Christ as we are hidden in him who is, verse 3, in God. Did you see how in verse 4 we share Christ's glory when he returns? Let me wrap your brain around that for a little while. All because we are united to him. Apparently, when a baby is in mummy's tummy, uh, baby shares everything with her. Cells, blood supply, oxygen, food. If mummy drinks coffee, you might find baby dancing in the middle of the night because uh, it had a little bit of a sip of caffeine as well. Uh, They say that if you eat chili during pregnancy, then baby might be more willing to have chili when baby comes out. Did you hear about that? I'm trying to work out whether it works with Brussels sprouts. I don't think anything works with Brussels sprouts, right? But you try. We are united to Christ. So as Jesus has eternal life and glory, so do we share in eternal life and his glory, a bit like how the baby shares life with his mother. So when God says that we are raised with Christ, it means we share in his eternal life and glory. And this has incredible implications for how we live now. So verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. And verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Our identity is found in Christ, who is with God above. And so our thinking is to be focused upon God, Our motivations, our aims, our very ambitions are to be centered upon Christ, who is above. And as we orientate our whole selves to Christ, there are practices that we need to stop doing because of who we are. And there are practices that we will start doing because of who we are. All because we shape our actions based on being united with Christ. Has anyone ever tried tandem bike riding? You know, there's tandem bike riding. Oh, you have. You're still here. Praise God for that. Isn't that fantastic? Tandem bike riding, right? You know, you have two, two people uh, riding on the same bicycle, one in front of the other usually. Now, you, it kind of doesn't work uh, if you're not united. I've worked this out, right? So, you know, if you're at the back, you're not pedaling, it doesn't go anywhere, especially in the hills. <clears throat> uh, and uh, what I've seen as well is that, you know, sometimes uh, they haven't worked out that you have to lean the same way. And so you kind of lean into the corner and the other person leans the other way. What, what happens? Well, they hit a tree. Uh, so it doesn't work. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> we've been united to Christ. <clears throat> and our reality is that we are raised with Him. And it means that like we're on the same tandem bicycle as God. Which means that we have to orientate our actions based upon who we are. We are God's people. Tandem bike riders need to kind of work in unity with each other. Well, we as people who have been raised with Christ, we work in unity with God. Being raised with Christ shapes what we do. <clears throat> now, verses 5 to 11 tell us about the actions we are to stop doing and why we stop, that is, our motivation. Uh, it's not a complete list of actions, as if these are the only things we stop doing, but there are a sample. Notice the words which are chosen to describe why we stop doing. Verse 5 Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our earthly nature. We share our actions based on who we are. Well, we died and are raised with Christ, and now we are to put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. We've totally rejected and cut ourselves off from worldly things through Christ. That's our reality. And so now, kill and reject You didn't think that Christians are supposed to be that, that violent, hey? But it says here, put to death. Kill and reject everything that belongs to our earthly nature. It assumes that there are going to be some decisive, even extreme, and drastic steps that we take as people who are raised with Christ. All through the following verses, it uses this logic, that is, who we are shapes what we do. You take a look at, it, at how it's expressed in verse 9. Do not lie to each other. Why? Since you have, been ta- you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. See, so this time it uses the image of clothes. Uh, we've taken off our old clothes and put on new ones. So we live like people with new clothes on. Uh, I've got some clothes at home. I think it's a bit of a phenomenon with, uh, amongst us blokes. Uh, that is, I've got some clothes that are a little bit torn and tatty and a, f- a few holes in them that weren't originally there, that, uh, that is. My mum came and visited a few years ago and mortified, she found these clothes of mine, right? And uh, she was just staggered at that possibility that I might actually wear some of these clothes to church, I said, can you please get rid of them? I said, don't worry. I don't bring them to the church much. I I, I wear them at home. I I, I wear them when it's really, really comfortable when you have to go to sleep, right? Holes actually help during winter. I had to tell her that I actually bought newer clothes. Actually, she bought the newer clothes for me. I'm 42 years old, right? She's still buying clothes for me. So I have these newer clothes. I'm wearing the newer clothes. I'm living as a person who've got newer clothes. Huh? Can you tell my mom when you see her? Um, We've taken off our old self and put on the new self. And that's present reality. We've already done that when we became Christian. We've taken off our old self and put on the new. In Genesis, mankind is made in the image of God to rule creation under God's rule. But our nature has been scarred because of our attitude against God. As Christians, we have done away with this old self against God. And what we have done is that, well, it's replaced with a new person. A new person which is being renewed with true knowledge. And it's done through being united with Christ because Jesus is the perfect image of God. Being raised with Christ shapes what we are to stop doing. So let's, let's think about it today now. What might that look like today? If we are raised with Christ, if we are living with Him, we have His life, then what does that look like? Well, it looks like, well, we've got to stop some things. We have to put to death some of these things. I looked up uh, one of these areas in which uh, it talks about in Colossians is that in the areas of our purity and our desires, we need to cut things out. We need to kill things. I had a look at the advertiser just yesterday just to see what the, uh, what the headlines are in the newspaper, and it said this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is swinging the key to happiness? I'm not talking about the jazz kind of swinging, right? It says, take a peek into the mysterious world of swingers and polyamorous couples. I actually had to look up the word polyamorous. I'll leave that to you to go look it up. Another another, uh, (coughs) headline says, SA Investors Sports Start at 100 Million Investment Row, a group of investors who risk losing at least $100 million from a bitter court row amid extortion and money laundering allegations. Those are just samples of what, what we... This is our front uh, headlines in our newspaper and what the world looks like. We are to be people who cut that out. You go to the movies, and here are some of the titles. There's a movie called Blockers. Three parents try to stop their daughters from having sex on prom night. Mm. Another one says, Love, Simon. Everyone deserves a great love story, but for Simon, it's complicated. No one knows he's gay, and he doesn't know who the anonymous classmate is that, that he's fallen for online. That's, that's our community. And it is, it is starkly obvious that, well, our, our community, our world's values are so very different to God's. We are a people who have put to death our sinful nature you notice that it's our sinful nature as well, right? That is actually, uh, if left to our own devices and our own sin, well, we actually want those things. Those things are attractive to us. We actually need to put to death those things. And so what decisive, what, what uh, extreme thing do we need to do in order to run away from sin? Well, I've gone as far as, uh, as you know, when I, when I think about bringing my son to, uh, to the movies nowadays, I just don't know what he's going to watch. I don't know what's going to come before us. So I've taken to watching it first uh, before bringing him to watch it. Even Star Wars, right? I don't actually know what's going to happen. Uh, I read reviews. I hear from people whom I trust who, who've gone before. I have to do those things now and not assume that whatever he watches on TV, even though it says "General," is actually going to be appropriate for him. What might that look like? I've got a feeling that uh, as, as parents, you might have a little bit of a network where you talk about these things with each other. Great, fantastic. I'm trying to work out whether we do it like we do it with our children. I wonder whether we help each other with ourselves. You know, when we go and watch out movies or or, or when we read newspaper articles, do we actually pipe up when we say and and help each other to work through these ideas and whether or not it's actually from God? Being raised with Christ Christ shapes what we do with regard to our purity and our desires. It makes a difference with how we treat each other. It means that we stop acting against each other. Uh, uh, down in the city uh, We do get some uh, refugees That join our church um, you know, From Iran, from Afghanistan uh, From Syria even And uh, <clears throat> one of the really sad things Is that uh, what I try and do Is I, I, I get them I really try and get them uh, together I say well you're, you're all You know, There's a, there's a dozen of them uh <clears throat> You're all from the same country You speak the same language Wouldn't it be really encouraging If we gather you together And we read the Bible together You can encourage each other But they don't You know why? Because there are spies amongst them. And they don't know who to trust. I'm thinking, boy, you came from Iran. You are actually working against your own people. That is the kind of malice that is involved in our community. And we're trying to convince our refugees, our dear brothers and sisters, that our church is not like that. We are a people who have put these aside. We've also, it also affects our speaking. Um, you know, I've kind of noticed that the, uh, the worldly way of speaking has crept gradually more and more into our church. Have you noticed that? I, I wonder whether there's a sign that I'm getting older. <laughs> but I don't think so. And the really scary thing is that other Christians don't bat an eyelid and they don't notice And I'm pretty sure that even in the worldly standards, they think it's offensive. (laughs) And so I feel like, this is just on Friday night, I feel like I have to say, brothers and sisters, what's your language (laughs) with one another? I think we need to help each other with that as well. We are people who are raised with Christ. We have resurrection life. And if we live like who we are, we are to put to death death these things that are part of community and the world that has got nothing to do with our life as Christians. Who we are in Christ also shapes what we are to start doing. And that's what the last section of our passage speaks to. Uh, Again, it's not a complete list of actions as well. Well, who are we? Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion... Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Notice the present reality again. We are already chosen by God. We are already holy and dearly loved. We have been selected by God to receive forgiveness through Jesus. We are already set apart for God. That is, we are holy, it says. God already loves us. And because we already we are excuse me are already God's loved people, <clears throat> it means we are to show compassion, and we are to show kindness, and so on. Being raised with Christ shapes what we do. This is so very different to how the rest of the world thinks about God. Uh, they think it's the other way around, as if what we do shapes God's love for us. You get that? So if we show enough compassion and kindness, then God will choose us in the end and love us. But that's not, that's not what it says here, does it? We, we don't earn the pleasure of God. God is pleased with us because of his son, Jesus. Make no mistake, we are united with Christ, right? So the reason why God is pleased with us isn't because of us. It's because of Jesus and the fact that we are clinging to him. And he's clinging to us. It's the same logic again, though, when it comes to forgiveness. Verse 13, we forgive each other because we have been forgiven. We are a forgiven people, and so we forgive others. Verse 15, we are to live peacefully because we are members of one body. Who we are in Christ shapes what we do. Uh, In my primary school time, uh, I come from Malaysia, so in my primary school time I was in Malaysia, uh, I used to be able to belt out the Malaysian National Anthem. Like, I was pretty proud about this. I could do it really loud. Uh, I knew it off by heart because we sang it in school assemblies. I knew how the rhythm went, I knew the tune, I knew the words. I knew what it felt like to hear the whole school sing the same words, uh, usually in the same tone. I had no idea what I was singing about, that because my Malay was pretty bad. Uh, but I knew how to sing it. <clears throat> when I started high school in Australia, I learned a different national anthem. Uh, I sang the Australian national anthem. Australians all let us rejoice, for we are young and free. Now, it would be a little worrying to my teachers and uh, friends if whilst they sang the Aussie anthem, I sang the Malaysian one. I think I'd probably get carted off to see the counsellor uh, because they might think I'm a national threat. <laughs> because I had stopped <clears throat> being Malaysian and have become Australian, my national anthem singing is shaped by who I am. My words are shaped by who I am. I, I don't live like I do in Malaysia anymore, otherwise I'd be wearing shorts right at this point because it will be really, really hot. There'd be no such thing as heaters as here. You don't need heaters in Malaysia, right? it's like 30 degrees every day. Who we are shapes what we do. <clears throat> well, who are we? Just to recap. We have died with Christ. We have risen with him. We have replaced the old self with the new. We are chosen. We are holy. We are dearly loved. And we are forgiven. That's who we are. And we are to live like those like who we are. Something else that is quite clear, and sometimes when we read this list of of actions, we think, man, this is hard to do. I don't know whether you feel that. It feels like it's really hard to do, but be assured that it's not something that God leaves us to do by ourselves. We have Christ within us, it says. So we're not alone through our challenges. We have forgiveness from Him so we can turn to Him when things don't go according to plan. We have God's word dwelling in us, verse 16, to guide us and to encourage us. Shaping our actions is very much an activity of dependence upon God. It's not as if God does all these things and then we're now by ourselves and on our own with our own strength doing these things. No, no, God is ever present with us and guiding us and sustaining us to do it. Being raised with Christ shapes what we do. So what might that look like today? Well, it affects the way that we treat each other. Being raised with Christ shapes how, well, we show compassion to one another and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience so on. One of our lovely sisters um, down in the city um, has been reading the Bible with one of our Iranian refugees and uh, at, the start of, uh, at the start of this year, what happened was that uh, our sister, the Iranian refugee, well, she ran out of money. And I, th- I don't think she understood the whole visa process. In fact, I'm not sure whether anyone out of us actually understand the whole visa process. But uh, it meant that all the money that, uh, that, were, that would go to support her had stopped. And so she found herself out of money, out of home, out of food, out of lodgings, and just was desperate. And our, one of our sisters, she saw this. You know, she's reading the Bible with her, and she said, "You're like, you don't have any to live. Come and live with me. Come and live with me. And this sister from, from Iran, she, she ate from the same table, and she felt the same love from this sister. And it's not as if this sister had a whole lot of money to spare, actually. I mean, she, she's retired. Like I had to go to her and say, do you actually have enough money to do this? And she said, yeah, I think. <laughs> and I went, I'll just keep asking you whether you're okay, all right? And it's not, it's not easy. There's cultural differences. And it w- would be really easy to lose her patience with you know, our Iranian friend and to be, to, be, um, to be offended by some of the things that she does. But she is the most loving person and the most forgiving person, the most compassionate person, and she'll be the first one to tell you that it's not because of her. It's because of Jesus. She's one who has been raised. And she's the one who's been, uh, who has experienced compassion from the Lord. And she passes it on. It shapes what we do when people wrong us. I, I wonder... Uh, I look at my son. My son is—I've th- got two children. Uh, one of my children is 13 years old, and I wonder. I'm, I'm at that stage where you know, teenagers, right? Teenagers, trying to trying to grow him so that he builds this this uh, this habit of uh, listening to God and learning from the Bible, so that he will he will drive him for the rest of his days. I think I wonder. You can tell me this. I wonder whether the time when he really feels like Daddy is a Christian. It's a time when I say sorry to him. You know that? Like, you know, we we can be really good at pretending to be all with it and all perfect. And you know, your children, your wife, your partner knows exactly you, are not perfect. (laughs) But when you actually say sorry to each other, I think that's when he, he knows that I'm a Christian. And he considers himself... I think I want to be like God in that way. Especially when I wrong him. Being raised with Christ affects how we treat each other. It changes the way that we speak. I I hear it in the songs that we sing. You know, the songs that we sing here is not just because it's got lovely tunes. It's because it's got lovely words. Words that have been inspired by the word of God so that it might richly dwell with us. And I pray that it wouldn't stop there, that you know, you don't just receive it from the songs and it just sticks in your head and in your heart. I pray that it will care for each other, that you be encouraging each other with it. Friends, you know when, uh, when we in- introduce each other Um, or when we introduce ourselves to each other, we say, who are we? Well, I wonder how you do that. Uh, Hi, my name is Bernie. I'm a lawyer or a carpenter or an accountant, engineer, doctor, plumber, physio, electrician, super mum. Or maybe, you know, we describe ourselves as mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, teenager, child. We've read from Colossians... That God wants us to realize that we are, first and foremost, raised with Christ. Present tense. That's reality now. I told you that my job is trying to convince you of this. I hope you have. I hope it's not from me. I hope it's from God. Let me pray. Father God, we give you great praise that you have raised us with Christ. Christ. And, Father, we are intimately united with him such that we experience his death, his resurrection, and we look forward to the glory that, he, uh, that, that we might receive with him. And, Father, we thank you that it shapes the, the very way that we live. And so, Father, we pray that you will help us to put to death the sinful nature, to live like who we are as raised Christians, as raised people with Christ.